You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. This, this message right now, in the life of a pastor, there are a lot of things that happen. And one of the things that happens is there are some times that you preach a message, like the service prior to the, the next message, that you're like, man, if I could just do that over again, you know, I want to do that. And the reality, it doesn't always happen that way. So, so I am going to try to muster everything in me to preach that same message that I preached first service. It's there, but is it here? Right? It's there, but is it here? And so we're, we're going to go right into it. We are in a series that I titled Be Free. And the series consists of how we have new freedom in Christ. We have a new freedom in Jesus. And it is so important that we don't get ourselves into bondage by distorting the most important thing that we have. And the most important thing that we have as Christians is the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came and paid the full price for everything that we've done. He paid it all on the cross at Calvary. And and in that, it's so important that we don't get that wrong, that we don't distort it. Last week, we we opened up, uh, we're, we're going through the book of Galatians, the letter from Paul to the Galatians, and Paul is very adamant to them not to pervert the gospel. And I started with, there's only one, what? One, one gospel. And the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. And so that's the whole premise of not only this series, but it's the whole premise of the, the, the letter from Paul to the churches in Galatia. And as we go through these letters, my prayer is that we will get... Uh, unstuck or we will get uh, a better clarity for what the message of, of, of Christ is, not only to his people, but to the world. And I've started thinking, how can I present this message to, to, to people where they will understand, and not only church people, but people all, uh, maybe someone listening to the podcast, maybe someone that's here for the first time, and, and, and religion, you've never really want, maybe knew religion or maybe never wanted religion because of things that you've seen externally. And so how can I present that message in a way that's clear and in a way that's engaging, where you actually are like, I want to listen to this, and in a way that will, uh, that, that will just keep you in, in tune with what God wants you to hear. And I started thinking about two ways that people can distort the gospel. There's many ways. I thought about But two things that stood out to me as I was, I was thinking about uh, uh, this presentation, I thought about something that's called a prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel teaches that you need to have Jesus but if you have enough faith, you're never going to be sick. If, if, if you have enough faith, you're never going to be sick. You're going to be healthy all the time. And not only are you going to be healthy all the time, but if you believe the right way, you're also going to be wealthy all the time because you're not supposed to be poor. You're supposed to prosper in everything you do. So it's Jesus plus you have to be healthy. And Jesus plus you have to be wealthy. The problem with that gospel is that not everybody is wealthy. 
And some people that are not wealthy, they love Jesus. We're going to, taking two teams to uh, Puerto Peñasco, to Rocky Point, to some of the poorest uh, parts of that community. And a lot of those people in that community, they love Jesus, but they don't, they're not wealthy. And so that, that, that gospel's a different gospel. The other thing that I, that I thought about is growing up, I was raised in a, in a, in a church where, where there was a tendency for people to believe that if you prayed prayers, you didn't really pray them directly to Jesus because Jesus was like way out there. You had to be, you had to be certain, uh, you had to be righteous enough to actually go to God. So you'd go through different individuals and you'd have different individuals that you pray to, these individuals that had earned status and they had become canonized, and you'd pray to individuals. And then maybe, you know, they would uh, have these beads, and they'd have a necklace that they, that they would pray certain prayers. The problem with that, when, when you look at it through the eyes of the gospel, is that they would pray five prayers to an individual who wasn't Jesus, and then they'd pray one prayer to God, and then they'd go back to that individual five times until they prayed. So all of these things, it was Jesus plus something else. And so... How do we clearly identify what the gospel is and what Paul was talking about to the Galatians because he was so adamant that they were leaving for another gospel. They were, they were leaving the gospel that he had preached to them for another gospel, he said, which really is not a gospel. It's not good news. It's not good news. And so he said it's important that you grab a hold of the gospel. Now, Every book in the Bible is important. Every book in the, in the Old Testament points to Jesus coming. It's Jesus concealed. Every book in the New Testament is Jesus revealed. But there's two books in the, in the New Testament that are vital to our salvation. In fact, you can't read any other book in the New Testament without understanding what these two books or these letters say to us and having a full understanding of what it means to be saved. The first one is Galatians. That's what we're going through right now. And Galatians teaches us as God's people our, here's a big word, I'm going to explain it, our justification. Our justification is how we are made right with God. Justification could be said just as if you have never sinned. You're justified. You're made right. Paul, from the very beginning, he's teaching the, the Galatians, this is how you're made right with God. The other book that is so important is Romans. And Romans teaches us not only our justification, how we're made right with God, but it also teaches us our sanctification, how we are set apart how God has made us holy, how he has made us righteous, and it's positionally. So he has positioned us in Jesus and taken us out of a sinful world, out of our own sinful existence, and he's made us holy through the blood of Christ that washes us from all our iniquity and our sins. Now, it's positionally in that you're there already. You're seated with Christ in the heavenlies, Ephesians. But also, it's, it's also progressive, that you're being made more like Christ every day. Every day the Holy Spirit is working through us and we look more like Jesus and all the things that, that he needs to take out of our life, he begins to progressively take them out. We are a work in progress. Now, it is vital that we understand the whole Bible, 
through those two books. And Peter, the apostle Peter, was so adamant about us understanding that that he wrote in the last part of his second letter, he wrote something that is important for us because he solidifies the authority of Paul and the letters that he wrote. Peter says this, he said, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. So Peter's whole thrust was God wants everybody to be saved. Jesus hasn't come back yet because he wants everybody to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to not be able to hear the the gospel message. He goes on, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. So what's the thrust of that context? Salvation, right? Consider the patience of salvation of our Lord. He he goes on, just as our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things. What's, What's the context? Salvation. He spoke of all these things concerning salvation in which are some things hard to understand. So he's saying, you know, I'm I'm with you guys. There are some things in here that are hard to understand. The reason for this is because grace is so radical. Grace is so radical because we always want to do something to appease God. We always want to do something to get in better standing with God. And Paul said, it's Jesus plus nothing. He goes on and he says this. He says, some things that are hard to, to understand, which the untaught and the unstable will distort. They'll misalign as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. The reason that Peter's statement is so important to every one of us in here, and if you're listening on the podcast, is because he confirms the letters of Paul as describing salvation and also the potential for people to distort the scriptures, especially the gospel. And then he concludes and he says, to their own destruction. And the reason that it's so important for us to understand that if we distort the gospel, if we distort the good news, it destroys us is because we try to be saved in our own effort. We try to appease and please God in our own effort. So today, I want for us to learn the importance of not compromising the freedom that we have in grace. See, we always think about compromise. You're going to compromise with sin. You're going to compromise your walk with God with sin. But the reality is a lot of times religious people compromise your grace by binding things on you and you live a guilt-ridden life. You're always guilty because you just didn't do the right things this week. You know, you just, I mean, you cussed five more times than you cussed the week before. Or you, or you did something that you didn't want to do before. You, you, all these different things. And so people are living guilty, 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 guilty. Instead of thinking about what Jesus has done, grace, you think about what you've done. 
and what you haven't done. Let me pray over these points. Father, thank you for second service for every person here. And as always, Lord God, I just, I just thank you for you being here. I pray in the name of Jesus that the message that I've prepared, that it will be blessed of you, that, Lord God, uh, everything I speak will be spoken in a way that honors uh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I, I, I just ask that there will be ears here that are not only going to listen, but they're going to hear your word, and there will be hearts that will be receptive to your message. And, uh, Holy Spirit, I pray you give me the, the, the power the ability to preach in a way that is God-honoring and, and bold and, and yet humble. And so at the end of the service, I pray that we can leave here saying, man, it's been really good to be in God's house. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So grace point number one, and we're going to go into Galatians 2 as we're moving uh, forward. But grace point number one is don't compromise your freedom through legalism. You see, in Paul's day and in Jesus' day, there were religious leaders who were called Pharisees. In fact, the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee before he became a Christian. And you need to know that the Pharisees were very well respected by the people. They were very pious. They, they upheld to the standards that God had given uh, you know, his people. They were, they were called separated ones. They separated them, themselves from mainstream society. The Roman society, if you look at the Roman, Roman history, the Roman society was a very, very sinful society, very licentious. So the Pharisees separated themselves from, from that kind of lifestyle. And, and, and the people looked up to them. The people looked up to them to the extremity, to the, to the extreme point that at Jesus's, uh, uh, at his um, judgment, at his trial, the Pharisees were the ones that said, crucify him. And everyone else that had been saying, he's my hero, he fed me with a couple loaves of fish, I mean, a couple loaves of bread and some couple fish, they, they began, oh, crucify, yes, crucify him, crucify him. So they had a lot, a lot of political power, a lot of religious power, and they were esteemed highly. And they held on to the law. The problem with the Pharisees and become the problem for us. And the problem was they tried to get their significance or their, their, uh, uh, acquire their righteousness from keeping the law. They tried to find their acceptance with God, their, 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 their significance and their, their righteousness from keeping the law. But what we find in Galatians is that the Ten Commandments and the Law of Moses were never intended to make us righteous. The commandments and the law were intended to show us that we're not and to point us to one who is. Are you with me? The commandments were never intended to make you right with God. They were intended to point you to the very important conclusion that you're not perfect and you need the perfect one and so the pharisees were, were were trying so hard to to keep their righteousness in their own abilities and god was telling them don't do that in fact jesus when he came and he spoke to the jewish multitudes he says don't think that i have come to get rid of the law to abolish the law 
I did not come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come to fulfill them. You see, there's no person that's able to fulfill the law. None of us are. And then Peter, in, in, in his second sermon that he preaches, Peter, he goes back to Moses. Moses in Deuteronomy 18, Moses spoke these words. And then Peter, when he gets saved and he, he's preaching about the gospel, the, the gospel message that Jesus, not only did he die for the sins of mankind, but he rose from the dead and he conquered the grave. When the grave just speaks to us that we're sinners. It's a sentence of our sin. And so Peter says this, as he's talking to a multitude of Peter, I mean of people, he says, he says, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. And then he said, listen carefully to everything that he tells you. The prophet that God would raise up would be Jesus Christ. And so the whole thrust of this is for us to know that we don't get our righteousness in the law or good works. We get our righteousness in and through Jesus Christ. That's the whole theme of Galatians. You see, the enemy of grace is legalism. The enemy of grace is legalism. Grace says done. Legalism says do. The problem with do is when is it enough? The amazing thing about done is that it's settled. It tells us that Jesus paid the full price. I would rather live my life with him completing it than me trying to complete it on my own. And so, so many people find their salvation through Jesus, and yet they try to keep their salvation through praying with beads, or through saying, if I, if I have enough faith, I shouldn't be sick. If I have enough faith, I shouldn't be poor. If I have enough faith, I should prosper. And the reality is that you become legalized with different things. Paul explains the Galatians about his trip to Jerusalem, and he met with all of the, the pillars. He met with the, with the, with the uh, leadership, the, the, the ones that were looked upon as, as great in the church, and what he was going to be dealing with was Gentiles were coming to Jesus in droves. They were coming to faith in droves. And, 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 the, and the, the, the Jews, especially the Pharisees, because Pharisees were getting saved because they said, this Jesus, he has to be someone because he rose from the grave. He is the Messiah. The problem with it is that they were trying to mix Jesus being raised from the grave with we have to bring the Old Testament. we got to bring it together and complement each other. The only problem with that is that that's not grace. And so Paul goes to Jerusalem to discuss the matter. And you can find it, the whole thing. And I, and I told you guys last week, I want you to test me. Go home and read each chapter as we go through chapter 2. Your homework is you have all week. Read through chapter 2 and see if the things that I'm saying are so. 
And then not only that, this time write this down. Go to Acts chapter 15 because what I'm going to be reading here from verse 2, actually verse 1, until verse uh, uh, 5 is exactly what was going on. It was called the meeting or the council in Jerusalem. It was the first meeting that Christian had to discuss the matter of salvation and how we get saved. And Paul says this. He said, I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. In other words, God spoke to me. Jesus spoke to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church. Your translation might say pillars of the church. And I shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. Now, who's he writing to? Who's Paul writing to right here? The Galatians. He's writing to the, to the Galatians. He's saying, this, let me tell you what happened. I went to Jerusalem, and I'm talking to them about this message that I've been preaching to you. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement. Who? The pillars, the leaders, and himself. That we were in agreement for fear that all my, all my efforts had been wasted, and I was running the race for nothing. And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus who was a Gentile, for him to be circumcised. Let me read it how it says it. My companion Titus, be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. Now, Titus was with Paul, and they were going to all these Gentile uh, communities, people that weren't Jews. He was preaching the gospel. Jesus died for your sins, and he rose from the dead, and the Holy Spirit was moving through his preaching. People were coming in droves, saying, we need Jesus. We, we need him. We're sinners. We want to receive him and have our salvation. And he said, Titus was with me, and I never said, be circumcised, Titus. If it was Jesus plus circum circumcision, I would have told Titus, you need to be circumcised. So he goes to this meeting where they're saying Jesus plus something. And he's saying the pillars, uh, James and John and, and Peter, Cephas, they're not even telling us to, to, for him to be circumcised. But let's go to the next part. Even the question came up only because some so-called believers, oh, that's important. So there's a meeting of all, all the leadership in Jerusalem. And he says some so-called believers there, false ones really. Now that's huge. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a meeting of all these leaders in the church in Jerusalem. And there's some that are there that Paul says, they are false ones. They're not really believers. And he's going to say why. Who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away, say with me, the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They, 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 they were sneaked in there to spy the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow the Jewish regulations. But we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for who? For the Galatians. He's writing to the Galatians. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. The truth of the gospel message is Jesus plus nothing. He's saying these people that came in that said they were believers, but they were false believers. Why? Because they were trying to add law to grace. And anytime you add law to grace, you distort the gospel. Anytime. Anytime.
You see, if they would, if they have, would have needed to be circumcised to be right with God, it would have put them under the law. It would have compromised the words of Jesus. And Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. Now, God has taken a lot from my life. God has, God has, through his power, relieved a lot, released me from a lot of things that used to have me bound. He took things that were hurtful to my marriage, took them out of my life. He took, he took things that, 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 that were harmful to my body, he took them out through his power. He, he, he took things that, that were harmful to my relationships with other people. He, he, by his power, he took them out of my life. But those, peop- those things that God took out of my life don't save me. Jesus does. You see, and what happens to us as people is we think that if we get rid of this sin, if we get rid of this, this, this habit, if we get rid of all these things, and the more we get rid of them, the better we are with God, the closer that we are with God. The reality is those things don't make you right with God. Your faith in the one that is perfectly righteous makes you right with God. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And so Paul said, don't put any legalism on you. Don't, don't try to put legalism. And I'll tell you why we don't put legalism on ourselves. If you take grace out and you put legalism in, it will always bring point number two. Grace point number two is this. It's don't compromise your freedom through bias. Anytime that you compromise grace with legalism, you will get biased, you will get prejudiced, you'll separate, other, separate yourself from other people. The haves and the have-nots, the us and the thems. And it happened very early, very early on. Peter had stood up for grace in, in Acts chapter 15, Peter says, we, we're not saved by, by the law, we're saved by grace. But there was so much pressure on Peter. Peter had so much pressure that the, that the circumcised, the Jews, the, uh, the religious party, they would put so much pressure on him that Peter was torn. And so Peter went to Antioch, to where the Gentiles were. And when he was in Antioch, he said, these are my homies, these are my homies. I'm going to eat pork with you guys. Let's have, a, let's have a pork taco. But let's read what happened. This is, this is exactly what happened. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. Peter, Paul says, I had to oppose the apostle Peter, the great apostle. Paul said, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. He said, all right, I'm here on this side. I'm with my homeboys because they're my new homies. Pass the tacos. 
He ate with the with the Gentile believers, um, and then, uh, but after, but afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Now, this is crazy because Peter was the one that stood and saying they don't have to be circumcised. But the pressure of legalism was so difficult that when they came to Antioch, where the Gentiles, where Peter said, oh, you're my homies. They're not. You're my homies. They're not. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers, they followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. And when I saw that they were not following the, say with me, the, the what? Truth of the gospel. Jesus plus nothing. That they were not following the truth of the gospel message. I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile. They're your homies. Why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth. We're not sinners like the Gentiles. Let me, let me explain the context to the Jewish nation, they were the chosen people. Every other nation were sinners, and they even regarded them as dogs. And, and Paul says, we're not like the Gentiles. He said, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. Let's go home. Let's go home. If there's anything that you take away from this message, it's that. That you're not made right by law. You're made right by faith in Christ. He goes on, he says, and, and we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our, say with me, because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. That's why when people tell you, I'm not a bad person, I'm a good person, I know God will love me when I go to heaven, I'm not a bad person, you tell them, baloney. There is no one good. There is no one that will be made right with any kind of goodness on our own part. But what you find in this passage is the power of bias and prejudice, which legalism will produce. You see that even the apostle Peter, who was a pillar in the church, was influenced by legalism. How much more are we in this modern era Legalism has a way to come into the church and will always have a tendency to divide people into groups. In Galatia, it was the circumcised and the uncircumcised. How do we know? Because Peter separated himself. 
In churches today, you might see there's a division between people who speak in tongues and people who don't speak in tongues. The people that speak in tongues say, you know what, you sh- they're supposed to speak in trungs- tongues, and the people that don't speak in tongues say, those tongues are from the devil. I had someone after, after first service uh, last week that came to me and said, Pastor, that message, it was so amazing. It spoke to my heart because I was raised in a church. I grew up in a church where, where you, they, they, they taught that, that unless you speak in tongues, uh, uh, you have not received the full baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues. He said, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed to speak in tongues all my life, and I could never speak in tongues. And he said, I, I just felt like a second-class Christian. Because it was Jesus plus speak in tongues. See the divide that legalism can bring. And those that that don't speak in tongues, they divide themselves from the ones that do speak in tongues. It might be people who have faith to believe that you should be wealthy. And if you're not, you don't belong to us because there's something wrong with your faith. And it divides the church. And there's those people that say, if you don't have enough faith and someone's sick, they say, you're sick because you don't have enough faith. Which to me, it nauseates me. Because I see loving Christians who love the Lord, who get sick And it's not because of their faith. It's because an illness has come upon them and the grace of God will be revealed through that illness in their lives. We had a staff member that came and talked to us about a a situation, a circumstance in their life that we're praying with them and praying through the situation and it has nothing to do with their faith. Can you be poor and love Jesus? The groups that we take to, to I just heard that. I am. Amen. The groups that we'll take to Rocky Point, we're going to go into the poorest communities in, 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 that, in, that, in that city. And a lot of those people, they love Jesus. And they're not wealthy in your, in your economy, but they're wealthy in Christ. There's divisions between churches because some churches say that you should only read the King James. And if you're not reading the King James, anyone that's reading a modern translation is not reading the real Bible. And so they divide themselves. They say it's Jesus plus the King James. The problem with that is that Jesus never had the King James. That didn't happen until 1611. We really wanted to say it's Jesus plus we need to write the original ma- read the original manuscripts. We'd be reading the first century manuscripts and fragments of that, and then we would be going and seeing if we could decipher from the original Greek or Hebrew. But there's great divisions because it's Jesus plus something. I've had individuals come to me, and they come to the church. They love the church, but they say, Pastor, you don't preach out of the King James. You're not preaching out of the real Bible. So they bring me books. They say, these three books prove to you that the King James is the original Bible. It's the original. And they sit on my stand. And I don't read them. Because it's Jesus plus something. And it divides the church. And those are the small items. How about divorce? Jesus, but 
plus you, or but you can't get divorced. And if you're divorced, how can God love you? But if we talk like that, don't we take the grace of God out of the equation? It's Jesus plus nothing, and you can come to him however you are, and he'll receive you where you are, and he'll love you where you are. Because the Bible says that all manner of sin will be forgiven. All manner of sin will be forgiven, except for us to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and that would be to deny that the power of the Holy Spirit is working on people to bring them to Jesus. And how about the biggie? Oh, what if you're a homosexual or you've, you've, you've dealt with a tendency, a, 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 a drawing to, to, you struggle with homosexuality, you know, and you, oh, Christians, you know, it's Jesus plus, you can't be a homosexual, you cannot struggle with that. But doesn't that negate the grace of God that says all people are welcome to him? It doesn't matter what you're struggling with because Jesus paid it all. And at the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Except for divorcees and, and uh, homosexuals. Wrong. It is finished for everybody. Because I see that, you know, we struggle in churches with um, the homosexual agenda and we struggle in churches with, with um, abortions and but we don't struggle as much with heterosexuals that are doing things that really are not honoring God. And yet we receive them into the churches because of grace. And so there's divisions, you know, there's divisions. I, I, I can't believe that these same-sex people, or I can't believe that these, we cannot be around them. We cannot associate with them. We can't associate someone that's had an abortion or someone that even contemplating an abortion maybe when they were even saved. And so we alienate ourselves from those people because it's Jesus plus something. Legalism will always divide churches. And it should never be that way. I came to the Lord and with a lot of baggage and God called me to preach the gospel and the first time that I preached with jeans, there was a little bit of a rumble, you know, because it's Jesus for a preacher, but don't preach with jeans. Or don't, pre I took my shirt off right now because that, that collared shirt, I was really dressed up real nice, first service, but it was so hot. Second service, you guys are just hot people. So I took off my shirt to be hot or cool. The first time that you to think about it, how, how, how mistaken we are because we say you shouldn't preach in a certain way because it's Jesus plus you need to dress in a suit or you need to dress in, I have slacks on because I wanted to honor you guys. <laughs> but, th but think about it, if I was to preach like Paul preached, wouldn't I preach with a tunic? Wouldn't I have like a little, you know, like a little robe? But that's not a good thing to have if we're if I'm on a platform because of a <laughs> I mean we, we don't want to sneak a peek, right? <laughs> legalism, legalism always 
will cause division. And think about it, beloved. Think about the churches that maybe you were raised in where there was a lot of division and there was a lot of, you can't come in until you behave a certain way. You can't come in until you behave a certain way. You have to act a certain way. You got to dress a certain way. You got to look a certain way. You got to talk a certain way. But does that, doesn't that negate the beauty of grace and how radical grace is? And wasn't that what the Galatians were doing when they, I mean, not the Galatians, but the Galatians were facing when they said, yeah, you can be saved, but you have to be circumcised. The thing about it is if Paul would have said, yeah, you need to be circumcised, then someone else would have added something else, and someone else would have added something else. And before you know it, you'd be following a set of regulations, and Jesus' cross would not suffice to nothing when in grace, Jesus' cross suffices to everything. So that we don't boast in our preaching with khakis or boast in our preaching with jeans, but we boast in the cross of Jesus Christ where the penalty of sin was dealt with completely and where we can enter in through the blood of Christ and we are made righteous and empowered through the resurrection of Christ so that we can live a life that is holy unto him progressively and in his sight, because our holiness has nothing to do with our actions. It has everything to do with his. So we come to grace, point number three. We don't compromise our new life in Christ. What living by law does, and what I mean by, li by, by living uh, by law, is finding our right standing with God through the law or rules or regulations. In other words, I'm righteous because I did not cuss since yesterday, but once you say a word that you shouldn't have, I lost my salvation. Legalism says we are saved by grace, but we need to behave a certain way to stay saved. I have been with people at their deathbed that are uncertain about their salvation because of the things that they have done in weeks or years prior instead of standing firm in the completed work of Jesus Christ and saying, I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus did, not what I can do for him. Legalism will minimize the power of the cross and it will maximize our own self-effort and good works. And there are people that are in here that your life has been lived even now in your walk with God by maximizing your self-efforts and minimizing the cross instead of maximizing the cross and minimizing yourself and walking in the righteousness that is imputed to you through Jesus Christ. The Bible says we've been lavished with his love. That's like all of it. See, the love of God for me is complete. He loves me completely with all my faults and failures, with everything that I've done, with all my warts and all my, all of my whatever loves me not because of what I've done. He loves me because that's who he is and that's what he's done. 
I'm complete not because of anything that I can do. I'm complete because Jesus is complete and because I am in him and in his righteousness. That will change your life forever. Paul said, he said this, he said, suppose that we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? And he said, absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner. If I rebuild the old system of law, I have already tore down. Let me talk about that. He said, if I, if I, if I start out in grace and then I try to do it in the law, if I say, you know what, I, I, I'm going to pick up the law, I'm going to tr- try to do it in my own self, the law is only going to show you that you're a sinner just like a mirror will tell you you need to comb your hair a mirror don't lie you don't walk away from a mirror going oh my goodness my hair looks incredible when you got up in the morning you got bedhead when you got bedhead the mirror says hey vato get in the shower put some soap and shampoo and some conditioner and then come out and put a little bit of gel and then you'll be looking suave for wherever you're going to go the reality here, beloved, the reality here is that he says, why are you going to pick up the law when you've started out in grace? He goes on and he says this, for when I tried to keep the law,